Welcome to part three of the 2020 vision. I did want to start with a prayer. Would you join me in this? Would you mind standing one more time if you're not holding a baby? If you are, you, you're forgiven and you can stay seated. Heavenly Father, help me to understand who I am in Christ. Give me a vision for who you see me as. Oops. Holy Spirit, I come fully surrendered to you. I commit my life into your mighty hands. In Jesus' name, amen. Now you can sit down. And listen, the reason that we do that is I believe that the Holy Spirit honors prayer. And when you give him permission, even though it's pastor-led, if your heart's in this and if, if you're not sitting there reluctantly going, why am I praying this stupid prayer? God's going to do something in you today. And if you did pray that latter part or believe, feel that latter part, then hopefully by the end of this morning, he'll change your mind. Because I believe God is in the business of change. And one of the things that has been drawn out for me over the last uh, six months or so that I've been studying is that God wants to transform us into the image of his son. And that's not always easy because some of us are so reluctant, so stubborn, so afoot in the world. But you know what? God's bigger than that. And he works on us until we finally get to that place where we say, I surrender. <laughs> That's what he wants. He wants us to surrender to him. And when you do, brother, sister, listen to me. When you do, your life will be changed forever. If you've already made that statement of faith, that confession of faith, praise God. Keep on keeping on. One foot in front of the other every single day. And then I think the key is that you are progressing toward his glory. That every day you're getting a little bit better. You're improving. You're maturing, I think, is even a better word in Christ. And as long as you're doing that, God is pleased with you. Amen? So, starting out, a recap. John 4.24 says, God is spirit. His worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. So we've established that, right? We've also established, hopefully, that God has a plan for your life. And that his plan is to prosper you in what? Not to harm you. To give you a hope in a future. What does that mean? What does that look like? I don't know for you. It's up to each individual to figure this out. That's what it means to serve him. That's what it means to surrender to him. It's to find out, God, what do you want to do with me? What have you created me for? Because if you really believe God created you in his image, then there's a reason. He didn't just put you on this earth so you could suck air. Excuse my frankness. We need that oxygen for people that are going to do what God's called them to do. And I believe everybody in this room is a part of this. This, transforma this transformational process that we're talking about here. 
God's intent from the beginning has been that His people get to know Him and have a relationship with Him. But I think too many of us, we, we come into church with all good intentions. Oh, praise God. Hallelujah. Woo-hoo, what a worship service. And then we sit here, we listen, and we're hooting on the, hopefully we're hooting on the pastor. Yeah, good job, pastor. Hey, high five, air, air high, spiritual high five. Yeah, yeah, yeah Jerry, ha! And then we walk out of the door, and we go back to the same old person that we were, like a dog goes back to its vomit. My dog did this last week. Oh my gosh. I mean, it was a pile. And Barb ran down to grab some paper towels because he did it up on her second floor. And by the time she got back, he'd eaten half of it up. And she's just, she's gagging. She's like, oh. Must have been good. But that's how we are. Spiritually. Yeah, hopefully you don't go back. Here's the thing. In order for us to be faithful, in order for us to serve him, we have to know what he wants to do with us. And what he calls me to do isn't going to line up with what he calls you to do. Although I was talking to a brother about this last night. You know there are two calls. One is the individual. Two is the corporate community. This church has been called together. So it requires not just you finding out what God wants to do with you, but it also requires us finding out what God wants to do with us as a community of believers. And every church has a different calling. The idea is that we're all going to help somebody be led to the salvation of the Lord. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done kind of thing. But it takes us being in unity. It takes us finding out what God wants to do with us. And what that means is we can't keep doing what we've always been doing up to this point. God wants us to change. He wants to change us. You can't do it on your own. You need Him. That's what today's message is about. Listen to this part. If God is behind you with what you're doing, you will succeed. You may succeed even if God's plan isn't behind you. That's not necessarily a sign of success that you're doing what God's telling you to do. You could just be really good at what you're doing. But it's so important, and listen, everybody knows when you're doing what God's telling you to do. You will have what? That P word, peace. If you're doing what God has called you to do, if you're carrying out his plan, you will have peace in your life. That doesn't mean it'll be around you. You could be in the very fires of hell and still have his peace. Amen. It's a good amen. Good place to amen. Hallelujah. Hear this part. What I'm talking about here today isn't just for pastors and teachers, people who are paid, people who are brought on to staff or whatever like you saw this morning. It's intended for everyone living and working in this community where God has 
you got to see this, where God has strategically placed you. It isn't a chance that you're here today. It isn't a chance that you work or go to school where you do. God has strategically put you there. I believe that with all my heart. Do you? Why? So that you can let your light shine in that corner of darkness where you live. There are so many people that need to hear the hope of glory. Jesus loves you. You may be a student, a boss, a maintenance worker, a plow truck driver, a stay-at-home mom, a nurse, a teacher, any other valuable or necessary component of our society. It doesn't matter what you do. God has called you to be a part of His harvest field. The Bible says the harvest is white. It's ripe. It's ready but the laborers are few. Why? We've got 200 people almost sitting in here today. And if you include those online, we probably have 200. Why? Because we are sitting on our laurels instead of doing what God has challenged us to do. Each one of us is called to bear fruit. Each one of us is called to bear good fruit because anybody here can bear bad fruit. If people watch you, does it lead them to Christ or away? That's the question you have to answer. And if it's away, then sorry, but you're living in the wrong place. And you need an adjustment. You need the Holy Ghost adjustment. You need the promise of the Holy Spirit who said, I will come and I will guide you into all truth. Meaning that when you start taking a wrong turn, he's going to say, whoa. Whoa, Nilly, as we used to say. You ever been on a horse that was just going like a banshee? I have. Almost killed me. 30 miles an hour. And I'm racing toward a fence. And this turkey is not taking my commands. And I'm barreling in. And I've got my, my legs are hanging on with all I've got. I even had a Bible in my hand. I had a trench coat on. I was trying to look like an evangelist from the 1800s. I was doing a good job until that point. And that, her, that horse, he got right to the fence and he did one of these and went this way. How he did it, I have no idea. And I didn't let go. I stayed on. But my Bible went flying. And he stepped on it. I still have the Bible. I've got a big hoof print right in the middle of it. And I get off the horse, and this, the lady that owned it goes, Oh my gosh, are you okay? I said, Yeah. I said, I was hanging on with your life. Every time I pressed my legs into that thing, and she goes, Well, that was a problem. I said, what? She said, he's a barrel horse. You were telling him to go. She didn't tell me that before. I'm like, wow, that would have been useful. And the bad part was, the guy that was filming it didn't have the camera on. Ah! I would have made $10,000 from... Funniest home videos. 
True story. God wants to direct you. But some of us are on a wild run, on a gallop. And we aren't going the direction he's called us. Hear this part. Proverbs 29, 18, where there is no vision, this is the amplified, no redemptive revelation of God, the people perish. But he who keeps the law of God, which includes that of man, blessed, happy, fortunate, and enviable is he. How cool is that? But you have to have a vision for your life. What does that mean? It says it right there. You have to understand how much God values you. He gave his life for you. He paid the price for you. Why? So you could have everlasting life and life in abundance. What are you doing with it? Are you joyfully doing what he's called you to do? Or or have you just trampled it under the blood and said, you know what, I want to do my own thing. What it means to have a vision for God is that you know what he's calling you to do and you're doing it. That means that you're a doer of the word. You're listening to Jesus' commands. Even though they were 2,000 years ago, they're still yes and amen. They're still yesterday, today, and forever because God doesn't change. And he's calling us to this place where we are so in tune with him that we, as soon as he says, son, do this, you're a, yes, sir. But I fear that the church, we, we've gotten sloppy. In the past, I've called it sloppy agape. Our love for him, you know, we, we know we love him. I think most of us here would say that. We love, we love God. But we don't always act like we do. I don't know what that means for you. I'm just feeling this impression from the Holy Spirit today. I believe he's got somebody's number here. Whoever that is. Maybe it's all of us. I know I'm feeling it. Praise Jesus. To Him be the glory. If you don't have a vision for your life, if you, if you don't see the value in what Jesus did for you, if you trample on the blood of Jesus, listen to this. You can, and many do, run aimlessly through this life, never achieving any victories for Him. Never bringing glory to him. My fear is that when we get to heaven, what we're going to hear is this. Get behind me. I never knew you. I don't want that for anybody in this room. I want us to hear what? Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in the little things. Come. I want to reward you. I want to bless you with more. My paraphrase, of course. Hallelujah. And this leads to my next part. We all need a heart for the things of God. We're almost to Valentine's Day. And I, when Pastor Barb did the um, 
the decorations out there in the foyer or in the great room, I was like, how cool. She didn't know I was going to, I didn't know, you want to hear this? I didn't know I was going to teach this till this morning. I had another one of those mornings. Three o'clock, he woke me up, started changing my message. I'm like, oh, I want to go back to bed. And I knew I had to get in here because I knew he was working on me, and I knew it had to do with the heart, and the next thing I know, this is where I'm at. Why? Because God has a plan for you and me. He wants us to be a part of his kingdom. He calls us his children. Are we? Are we? Do we treat him like our dad? Our beloved dad? Our Abba? Father? Or do we talk to the hand, dad? One of the scriptures that I believe the Lord took me to was in 1 Samuel 16, 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance for his height, for I have rejected him. He was talking, of course, about who? Saul. King Saul. Saul thought he had it all going, and he was the leader, but he forgot about the heartbeat of God. And he started doing things his way, not God's way. And that led to this, Samuel looking for someone. And this is what he said. He said, the Lord does not look at the things that human beings look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at what? Would you take your hand and put it on your heart, over your heart? Father God, just show us today your heart. I pray that as we make a pledge to you, Lord, that you would change us from the inside out. No more playing games, Lord but serving you with our all, surrendering our all, that our heart, Lord, would beat for you for the things of God from this day forward. Hallelujah. You didn't know you were going to get into that, but there you go. Now, if you just confess that, it's going to happen, right? <laughs> I hope so. God looks at the heart. Let me ask you this. What do you yearn for? What do you want? What do you spend most of your time doing? Is, it, is God a, a, a part of your external life, meaning outside of church, or is he not? You and I need strong relationships with God, the Holy Spirit, and I believe that's what God is calling the people of the hope to. A strong relationship with him, one where you will experience him, not just for this hour and a half Sunday morning. But every minute of every day, you are going to know that your God is with you. He's breathing life in you, and you are breathing it back on the people that you're in, in community with. Because that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to be Jesus to our lost world, to let them see the light that shines so bright within each one of us. That's what we're called to do. You and I need a strong relationship with the Holy Spirit. And I believe that's why in Joel 2, 28, 29, God said, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my Spirit. Why? 
Why do we need the Holy Spirit? Only He can show us how deep and wide God's love is for us. Me and uh, Pastor Roger and I yesterday, we met briefly, and, and I just felt compelled to pray together. And man, the Holy Ghost came down in there, didn't he? Hallelujah. And we were, we were just experiencing God's love for two old farts, two old men. Man, we, we, you know what? We try to do our best, but we still fail. And, and when you feel like that, you feel defeated, and then God's Spirit just comes on you, and you just sense His love. It just restores you. And we both needed that yesterday. I, I, I came out of there different yesterday. I think I got born again. <laughs> Thanks to God. Only He can lead us to His salvation. You know, there's only one way. I know we're the exclusive club. We're the inclusive club. Only Jesus. Because He said it. No one can come to the Father but through the Son. That's not something I made up. It's not something the church made up. That's scriptural. So when you try to go another route, where's it going to lead you? A dead end. Only one God lives. And we serve Him. <laughs> I believe that. Hallelujah. I hope you do too. Only He can guide us into all truth. Listen, when you pick this book up, it can get confusing. Right? Anybody else? I mean, I'm trying to study. and I'm telling you, there are days I just got from my professor what I get to do my paper on this term. Different kinds of tongues. I'm like, really? Would you look at it and go, hey, he's been in ministry for 30 years. I'll let him have this one. Why couldn't it be prophecy or something simple? Different kinds of tongues. Hey. So that's what I get saddled with. <laughs> only he can deliver us. The Holy Spirit, only he can deliver us from those strong attachments that may require deliverance. Or at the very least, the mighty hand of God to take control over some of our bad habits. Only He can show us, this is so important. You know, we go out, we try to love people, and I've shared this testimony about Barb and I over and over and over. Before I knew Jesus, I didn't know how to love. I loved myself enough to feed myself and do the things I had to do for me. I went to work every day to try to provide for my family, but I did not know how to love others. And then the Holy Spirit got a hold of me. Jesus came into my life, and he took up residence in this... I've got to be careful what I say up here. And this miserable young man at the time... And he showed me how to start loving. I couldn't do it without the Holy Spirit. And after I was filled with his spirit, man, I'm telling you, I came home. I loved this woman. I scared her to death. I loved her too much. And she thought I'd flipped something. Something happened. It did. God showed me how to love. And because she was still in the world for that couple of weeks, she couldn't see it. 
but she said, I liked it. I didn't know what it was, but I liked the change in you. Well, listen, that change came not as a result of anything I did. It was all as a result of what the Holy Spirit did in me. He was transforming me, and this is a daily thing. It doesn't just happen, okay, you're done. It's every day that we walk on this planet, we are supposed to be transformed, changed for the better. Looking more and more like who? Jesus. The Master, the Savior, the Prince of Peace. Hallelujah. Do you? Are you? Put quite simply, we all need the Holy Spirit to survive and to thrive this life. I've shared this scripture before. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us. For what? His work. To do good deeds. And then verse 22, get this part. Set his seal of ownership on us and my emphasis and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit. Guaranteeing. What's to come? What's to come? It's right here. He guarantees that this is going to come. When you receive his spirit, it's a guarantee that this is going to come. What's this? First of all, you're going to get victory over your sinful life. Second, your name has been written in the Lamb's book of life. So when you die, when your heart stops beating, what's going to happen? Your name's written in the book of life. You're going to get up to those gates and whoever's standing there, I don't think it's going to be Peter, but he's in a lot of jokes. Peter's going to say, come on in, Brother Jeff. Your name's in here. And then we're going to be given everlasting life. Our purpose is not to look there. Our purpose is to look at, all right, God loved me so much that he died for me, that he changed my life like this. Now what? Now what? Say that with me. Now what? That is the question you and I have got to answer. Now what? For you, now what for the church? Huh. Can you imagine if God decided to pour out his spirit in little Gaylord, Michigan, like he did in Toronto. <laughs> or, or Brownsville. I attended that one. Roger went to Toronto. I went the other way. I went to warmer climate. I went to Brownsville, Florida. And I'm telling you what, when you were changed. I was changed because the community of believers, and it was all faith, and by that I mean Catholics, Presbyterians, Methodists, Baptists, Anabaptists, Pentecostals, Charismatics, whatever, they were all there sitting next to each other worshiping God. And we weren't looking at each other going, man, that doctor stinks. What are you doing that for? No, we were looking at each other going, isn't this great? Jesus is in the house. Woo. Had to go to the horse trough. I don't know why I keep doing that. As an anointed child of God, He has laid claim to you, and I said this last week, but I believe it bears witness. He has come up to you, and He's given you a big lick and said, Dibs, this one is mine. 
you got to know that God owns you. Troy, God owns you, man. You know that, though, right? He has laid claim to us, and, and this is how we know it, that we are filled with His Holy Spirit. For what? The main idea is that we accept God, He comes into our heart, and then we begin to look like Him. In fact, in Romans 8, 29, and I'm not running with the predestined thing, but I believe God knows beforehand who's going to be saved and who isn't because He knows everything from the beginning to the end. But I don't believe that that means that nobody's going to get saved unless God said you're going to get saved. I believe that it's bound from our free will. You and I, otherwise God just be a dictator. And he's not. We are supposed to be conformed. We are supposed to look like Jesus. And when I read about Jesus, listen, I, I often go, oh, I failed. <laughs> and you know what? The Holy Spirit just says, that's all right. Tomorrow's a new day. Do it better tomorrow. And I'm like, okay, I can do that. That's, that's the beauty of God. He does a lot of do-overs. Thank, how many say amen? When you spend time with someone, and for you younger people, you may not have experienced this yet. You know, Randy and Jerry, you guys are newlyweds, even though you have a gazillion kids already. When you spend time with each other, like, like Jean and Carol, 64 years before she went on to glory, did you kind of like look like her a little and she like you? Did you act like each other a little bit? Did you finish each other's statements quite a bit? Yeah. Because the same thing, we've only been married 43 years, I almost forgot, uh, 43 years, my wife and I, my beautiful bride and I, and I'm telling you what, we kind of look like each other, we act like each other, and we finish each other's statements. We say things all the time that's exactly the same at the exact same moment, and it's spooky. Because we've taken on the image of the other. We're so close. That's what it means here. You can't do this if you don't spend the time with them. In his word, meditating, just saying, God, just pour your spirit out in me. And here's the thing, the problem is your heart doesn't want to do this. Because it's still connected to the old man. <laughs> For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander, any other myriad of sins. It's also what Prophet Jeremiah was saying, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? You want to know who? The one who created you. The one who isn't bound by your sins. Can I go back to that other scripture just verse 22, God has set a seal of ownership on us and put a spirit in our hearts as a deposit. Why? I go back to that question. Why did God, the Holy Spirit, do this? 
Another one, Acts 15, 8, God who knows the heart showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them. So again, the first part of this is when, you're, when you receive God's Holy Spirit, it's proof that you're his, that he loves you, that you love him. Are you still with me? Why did God want to take up residence in our hearts? Because that is the center of our being. Out of the heart flows everything, the Bible says. Whoever, whatever controls the heart, controls the person. And God knows this. Why is God the Holy Spirit placed in your hearts, as this passage says? As this passage says, why? Why didn't God place him in our mind, in, a, in the seat of our thinking? Because your heart controls your mind. You may think it's the other way around, but it's not. Control the heart. Control the person. Why does God want to live in us? He wants control of you. And, and he's not some control freak. That's not it at all. He wants control of us because he knows what's best for us. If we have control, we're going to mess it up. Many of us have. David went after the heart of God, didn't he? Even uh, Paul mentions this after removing Saul, he made David their king. God testified concerning him, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. Hear this part today, God wants you to be like David. Minus the adultery part. But realize when he was called... He was a young man, and none of the rest of that stuff had happened at this point. And when David did commit adultery, it just shows us that he was human. And God forgave him. That should be an encouragement to many of us because we have all fallen short of God's glorious standard. I wanted to share this briefly. It's from Max Lucado's book, Just Like Jesus, so if you'd bear with me, what if for one day, Max said, Jesus were to become you? Are you with me? What if for 24 hours, Jesus wakes up in your bed, walks in your shoes, lives in your house, assumes your schedule? Your boss becomes his boss. Your mother becomes his mother. And your pains become his pains. With one exception, nothing about your life changes. Your health doesn't change, your circumstances don't change, your schedule isn't altered, your problems aren't solved. Only one change occurs. What if for one day and one night, Jesus lives your life with his heart? Your heart gets the day off. And your life is led by the heart of Christ. His priorities govern your actions. His passions drive your decisions. His love directs your behavior. What would change be like for you? What would people notice a change in? 
Your family, would they see something new? Your coworkers, would they sense a difference? What about the less fortunate? Would you treat them the same? Or how about your friends? Would they detect more joy? Or how about your enemies? Would they receive more mercy from Christ's heart than from yours? And you, how would you feel? What alterations would this transplant have on your stress level? Your mood swings. <laughs> Some of you men. That was a joke. Your temper. Some of you women. That was a joke too. Would you sleep better? Would you see sunsets differently? Death differently? Taxes differently? Any chance you'd need fewer aspirin or sedatives? How about your reaction to traffic delays? Uh-oh. Better yet, would you still do what you're doing? Would you still do what you would plan to do for the next 24 hours? Pause and think about your schedule. Obligations, engagements, outings, appointments with Jesus taking over your heart. Would anything change? End quote. Are any good? The only good person is a resurrected person. A person who's repented of his or her sins, invited the Holy Spirit into one's heart. Otherwise, you're no good. The only way to be good is to let Jesus take up residence in you. And if you've been invited, if you've invited the Lord into your heart already, you need to practice this one. Oops. Above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. Would you stand with me as I begin to close? I want you to take just a minute and think about Jesus taking up residence in your heart. And, and apply what Max said as far as, would there be a change? And, and if you feel any kind of conviction today from the Holy Spirit, whatever that might look like for you, I want you to just come up here. Come up to the altar and make your way. Because I believe God is in the business of change, transformation. He can take the things that have gotten hard and he can make them soft again. Sometimes it hurts. Sometimes not so much. But I believe God wants to do something. So let's just take 30 seconds or so and just quietly think about what would I be like if Jesus were to take over my heart today? If I had his heart, would I be different? And if the answer is yes, then I believe you should be down here and receive from this prayer that we're going to pray here in just a minute.
Some of you need to steer your horse up to the front right now. Just take those reins and just bring him on up here. The Holy Spirit's working on me. I hope he's working on you. He wants to do miracles. He wants signs and wonders to follow. And I believe we're being set up for that right now in a good way. We're laying a foundation as we've gone through this last few weeks. I believe that the Holy Spirit is just trying to prepare us for greater works to his glory. So I want to ask before I pray, maybe you're afraid to take the next step. Maybe you're thinking, what will people think? (laughs) Let me tell you, as one who's taken this step, I, I went through that same thought many years ago, and and I can promise you, it's never been a regret. The Bible says those who trust in the Lord will never be put to shame. So if that's you, put that aside and, and get up here. Maybe you're afraid to go all in with God, and this is something else, you know, that I I know I dealt with, and I'm sure many of you do too. There are things that you don't want to let go. There are things you don't want to surrender. But again, if you will give them to God, He will set you free. And whom the Son sets free is free indeed. You will have a peace that you never had before. And if that's you, get up here. Come on. Or maybe you think your heart is too wicked, and I believe the Holy Spirit specifically put this on my heart for somebody here today. Maybe you think your heart is too wicked, and God would never want to take residence up in you. And I want you to know this. (laughs) That's a a pure lie from the devil himself. Because God is more than capable of covering that sin with his blood. But you've got to let him. He wants you. And once you give your life to him, it's done. It's over. The old man is dead. The new man is coming forth. So if that's you, get up here. Hallelujah. Anybody else? Almighty God. God wants you to have his heart. Here's what I want you to do. And I'm still wrestling with this thing, and I know in the assemblies we we believe that when you receive the Holy Spirit baptism, that you will speak in tongues. But I want you to know something today. When you receive Christ... When you give him permission to take up residence, the Holy Spirit's already in you. I believe there is another step that comes with all of this, and we're going to get into that more in the next month or two. But I want you to understand today that when you say, Jesus, I give you permission to take up residence in this temple of the Holy Spirit, he is going to fill you up. And he's going to change you from the inside out. And for those of you who've been believers for years, maybe there's just some things that you needed to get right with God. That's okay too. Whatever you're up here for, I want to honor that. And He wants to honor that. And He wants to give you what you need. So pray this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. 
the blood that was shed on my behalf. No longer are my sins counted against me. For that, I thank you. I love you. Because who would do that for me? You did. Glory to God. Now today, I surrender all that I have and all that I am. Holy Spirit, take up residence in me. Fill me afresh and anew. Make me a new person. Transform me into the image of the Son, Jesus Christ. And help me to live this life to the glory of God all the days that I have left. I honor you. I pledge my heart to you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just lift your hands if you can. Worship him. Worship him. Worship him. Thank you, Lord. You are so deserving, Lord. Mighty God. You are so deserving. Jesus, we love you. Father God, we love you. The Trinity, we love you. Holy Spirit, we want a relationship with you. God, not not just here, but when we leave here, Lord, saturate us with your presence. That our kids would know that something's happened. Families would know. Our coworkers, Lord, our fellow students, they know God did something in us that only God can do. He has sealed us. We are his. He promises. Hallelujah.